So, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. For just as the father rises from the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son. But all may honour the Son just as they honour the Father. He who does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. I tell you the truth. A time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to take life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. By myself I can do nothing, I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Okay, so we do this thing. Let's call there Just Walk Across the Room, and uh, the video really illustrates the whole point of what we're trying to get across to people, and uh, we hope that that image, as we play it week by week, uh, will be embedded Uh, in your very being and that we'll become uh, walk across the room types of Christians so let's uh, let's pray together Father God we thank you for your word Uh, we thank you that your word brings life that your life lived on earth is an example to us and that we want to follow you and so help us this morning as we look into your word and as we consider how we might become walk across the room Christians in Jesus name we pray Amen. Just to, uh, to recap of, uh, of where we've been, because this is the, the third week um, that we've been doing this, and uh, the small groups that people have joined as well, and it's not too late to join uh, a small group to look into this study a little bit further, and they're meeting at all different times during the week, and uh, there's a list in the lounge of where the different uh, Bible study groups are, are meeting, and if anybody wants to join a Bible study group, even at this stage, it's not too late, and uh, I'd encourage you to do that, and if you speak to myself, uh, or one of the deacons, or just go into the lounge area and look at the lists. That will be great. So we started off by uh, thinking about uh, the single greatest gift and the idea that that you and I, the the single greatest gift uh, that we can give to somebody else 
is that introduction to Jesus Christ. That's the greatest gift that you and I have. And it's a gift that we can give to other people. And to do that, we, uh, we, we thought about the fact that we need to be, uh, be people that are willing to enter the zone of the unknown. And we saw that illustrated in the video clip. This, that idea of actually stepping out of our comfort zones amongst just the people uh, that we're really comfortable with. And stepping across the room and introducing ourselves uh, to somebody new. And uh, allowing them to interact with us. That's what we were calling entering the zone of the unknown. And uh, to do that, we need to be listening for the Spirit's prompting. We said that we need to be always have an ear to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us, guiding us and directing us, uh, nudging us to say, go, go over and speak to that person or go over and introduce yourself to that person. We have to be open to the Holy Spirit actually speaking and directing us. And then it was a case of just uh, having the bottle, really, uh, to do the walk, to make the, those steps, uh, whether it be across your drive, uh, across the street, or just across the room, to actually introduce yourself and speak to somebody. So that was week one. And then uh, last week, we were thinking about living in 3D. We're thinking about living in 3D. And of course, uh, for that, uh, we said that walk across the room, people are people who... Live life in 3D, constantly looking for ways to uh, develop, be, be developing friendships. And uh, we said this isn't just uh, getting to know people uh, so that we can underhandedly introduce uh, the faith subject. This is about really caring for people in the way that God cares for people. And uh, developing real and lasting friendships that have a, a meaning uh, yes, with the hope that we have an opportunity to share, but with the goal of actually being uh, developing friendships. And uh, we said to do that, we have to be people that are discovering stories. That we have to be people that are willing to listen to other people. And our job isn't to, to speak to everybody, but allow people to tell their stories. And uh, show by listening uh, that we actually care for the person. And then it was about discerning next steps. It was about knowing when is the right moment. Uh, again, listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And uh, this, is, this, of course, is, is something that some people are already doing. And I've asked uh, uh, one of our members, uh, Tom Keating, just to come up and share. Uh, he's been living in Lum and coming to this church now for just over a year. And uh, in our house group, he was, he was sharing about uh, how he goes about developing friendship uh, in the relatively short time that he's been living in this area. And he's just going to share a little bit of that now with us. Thanks, Tom. Oh, yeah. Um, it's just a little bit. We believe God was drawing us here, but we didn't actually know anybody. In fact, I didn't really know the area. So, um, so I've had to develop friendships, or I tried to develop friendships. So I was just sharing two little stories. Um, one of our neighbours, I got to know John, and um, been trying to get to know him and talking to him. So um, my thing is that, you know, Jesus isn't a God of religion, he's a God of relationship. And, um, and we all understand that. Um, but lots of people out there, they, they just see it as religion. So we've got to um, build relationships. So over the, the months and weeks, so I've been playing golf with him and I've been fishing with him. Um, but when I've talked to him a little bit, he knows I go to church, but he said, keep that away from me. I don't, I don't want to know anything about that. And um, so I, I, didn't, I didn't mention it, although, you know, I just kept being friendly with him. Um, but the other week he was walking his dog past here as I was coming into church on a Sunday morning, and he said, say a prayer for me. 
So I turned around and I said, why? And he said, I really need it. And I said, okay, I will. And I haven't seen him since really to talk to her about that. But it's obvious that God's working in his heart, isn't he, and working on him. And then the other night, I came out of the prayer meeting on Monday, and um, I was walking out with Peter, and we'd, I was going to have a natter with Peter, but a guy that I'd met when I'd been fishing was just walking past. So I, walked, I said to Peter, I'll see you, Peter, and we walked up, up the street, and he was just sharing that one of his friends had been killed at work with him, that he works with, and he was just sharing that because he knew I went to church, because I'd rather talk to him about church life. So... Um, you know, God is, is doing stuff. He's drawing people into this place and he's asking you to look out. Do, do you know what I mean? So, so he, he's wanting to move in this area around salvation. So be encouraged. And uh, the thing we've all got to understand, you know, it's the wisdom of God that's put this gospel in our hands. It's his wisdom. It's not our idea. It's God that's put this gospel into our hands. So if we understand that, it's God's wisdom, not us. Okay, thanks Tom. And uh, again, it's just a, a, an example of the importance of uh, developing friendships. Uh, whether people are interested in God or not, uh, that's not what should be guiding us in developing friendships. It's as we develop friendships, and as Tom said, more importantly, relationships with other people, that we start to be able to share uh, in what they have to say. And they also want to hear maybe what we have to say. So uh, that's what we're thinking about last week. And uh, this week we're thinking uh, about the power of the story. We're thinking about the power of the story. I'm going to uh, give you a little, uh, a, bit, a, bit, a bit of word of association. I'm, I'm going to give you some words. The first word is Mona. I want you to turn to the person next to you and just say the first thing that comes into your mind. Okay. Okay, don't think about this, just say the first thing that comes in. Any leases out there? Any leases out there? I'm sure there were other things that, uh, that came to people's mind. Okay, what about this one? Uh, Florence. There you are, you don't even have to think about it, do you? Nightingale, okay. What about this one? Yeah, you see, uh, straight away, as soon as we see a, a word, straight away we associate it with something else. What about this? Christian, what's the first thing that comes into our mind? It'd be interesting, wouldn't it, to be able to get into everybody's mind because all of a sudden there wouldn't be, there'd be all sorts of different things. And more interestingly, how would people outside respond to that word? How would people that have no relationship with God uh, don't go to church. What would the first thing that pops into their mind when they hear the word Christian? Um, it might not be very complimentary. Uh, depending on the experiences that they've had and uh, the Christians that they know. Um, very often uh, Christianity gets a bad press. And uh, very often it's the negative side of, of the Christian faith or other faiths. Uh, that make the news and uh, these ideas are planted in people's minds. Well, this week we're thinking uh, about the power of the story. And we're asking, are we ready to communicate like walk across the room uh, people? And if we are, we've got to realise, and this is the first thing that I want to say, uh, that stories and the words used to tell them are powerful. 
stories and the words that we use to tell them are very powerful. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament uh, speak uh, very much about the power of words. Uh, Peter in John's Gospel, not in the passage that we read, but in the next chapter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Psalm 19, uh, verse 130 says that words can actually give light to people. Proverbs 12, verse 18 says that although reckless words pierce like a sword, words from the tongue of the wise can actually bring healing. Ecclesiastes says, uh, says that words you speak will be heeded when they are spoken quietly. Proverbs 16.24 says that the pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Isn't that a lovely image? And so words uh, are very powerful. We've all heard the little uh, ditto, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And we know that that's not true. Because every single person sat here this morning has been hurt by something that has been said to you. Every single person, without doubt, there isn't a person here this morning who hasn't been hurt by something that's said. You know, you can, you can go to a place and people can say a hundred nice things to you, but if one person says something nasty to you, that's the thing that you'll leave with, and that's the thing that will play on your mind all day. Just think for a moment about the conversation, the last conversation you had before you came here this morning. And uh, were the words that you used in that conversation, were they uplifting, were they healing, were they encouraging, were they positive, uh, or were they rather negative, were they degrading, were they not very nice? The words uh, that we use are powerful. Let's not forget that, that when we speak, the words that come out of our mouth, they can encourage people, they can lift people up, they can point people towards faith, but they can also point people away from faith. So, let's really not uh, ever forget the power of the words that we speak. Stories and the words used to tell them are powerful. And, you know, thinking about stories... Um, I don't know about you, but I, I grew up being told stories. And I guess those of you that have got young children, uh, you still tell stories to your children. Uh, here we have the great storyteller, uh, Walt Disney. And uh, of course, the way that people interact with stories might be a little bit different. Uh, we're often hearing that we no longer live in a book culture. But just because people don't read books, don't think stories are not still being told. Don't think stories are not being told. Who's been to the cinema in the last month? Put your hands up if you've been to the cinema in the last month. Yeah. Anybody watched a, a film on television in the last week or watched a television programme? Yeah. Stories are being told in all sorts of different ways. And of course, you know, stories are still very popular. Uh, we all recognise... Uh, straight away, the Harry Potter story and the phenomena and the films and uh, the queues that people queued up when the book was being released to get the latest book and, and, and pack the cinemas out. Because here was a great storyteller and people are still uh, influenced and moved by stories. Uh, next week, uh, you know, it's the, uh, the sport relief 
uh, big, big uh, a fundraising event. And if you watch that program, what will they use to try and encourage people to, to give money? They will tell stories. They'll tell stories about children in Africa, children living in, in, in poor situations in inner cities. They will tell stories in the hope that they challenge and move people because stories are very powerful. Let's not underestimate the power of the story. Uh, very often when we meet together, what do we do? We tell people what happens, uh, but we tell our stories, don't we? We tell the story. You, you've got your story, and I've got my story. Okay, stories and the words used to tell them are powerful. So when Jesus comes, and, uh, and he wants to tell people about God, what does he do? He tells stories, doesn't he? Uh, in the New Testament, very often, uh, they're wrapped up in parables. They tell stories about, uh, you know, a man that owned a hundred sheep, about a man that had two sons. He tells stories about landowners and stories uh, about all sorts of things to illustrate and get across the fact that God cares and loves them. But he wraps it up in a story so that people will remember it. And that's the thing about stories. They're not only very powerful, they're also very memorable. Uh, most of the most memorable parts of the Bible are stories, aren't they? Everybody knows the story of David and Goliath, don't they? Uh, of, of Noah and the ark, of Jonah and the whale. These are stories that capture people's imaginations, but stay with us. Because they're stories, they have a beginning, they have a, a middle and they have an ending. And the Bible is full of powerful stories. And uh, one of the things that we've got to do is, is learn from Jesus. We've got to learn from Jesus because uh, God has a story. God has a story. And if you and I are going to be walk across the room sort of people, eventually, as we build up those relationships and as we listen to other people's stories, there will be perhaps a moment comes... When somebody says to us, asks us the question, and I always think it's better to wait till somebody asks you to speak about God, rather than diving in there and telling them all about God and about Jesus before they're ready to hear it. And that's why it's important that we develop these friendships and relationships. But when that moment comes, and somebody says, well, okay, so tell me about this God um, that you're so interested in. Do we panic? Do we freeze? Or do we think, this is the moment I've been waiting for, and I know exactly what to say? Probably a combination somewhere, probably different people would answer that question in different ways. God has a story, learn to tell it well. We need to learn to be able to tell God's great story. And to do that, you know... We need to think about it. We need to practice it. And so that when the moment comes, we get it right. Because these moments, um, you know, they don't come that often if we're honest. I mean, if I was to say, hands up, who's had an opportunity to tell God's story this week? Uh, I'm guessing not many hands would go up. Because the reality is, we don't get that many opportunities. But as we build up relationships and as we make friendships, and we get those opportunities, we don't want to blow it. And so we need to learn to tell God's story well. If you're in the home groups this week, you'll have seen um, an illustration of uh, how Bill Hybels did that. He had this friend called Dave. And uh, it was an amazing story because this relationship with Dave, it was eight years in between Bill meeting Dave and him coming to faith. Now, 
I was impressed with that. Because at several points, just like Tom was saying about his friend, the first reaction is, I'm not interested in God. I don't want to know. Don't start with that God stuff. And when people say that, they're actually giving us a message. They're actually saying something to us. They're not actually saying they're not interested. But what they're saying is, don't, don't, don't tell me that now. And we have to listen to that. And we have to, to respect people. And we wait for that opportunity uh, to be able to tell a story. So how, how do we tell a story? Well, Bill Hybels gave an example of, of one way of doing this. And this is just one way. And if, it, and, it, and, it, and if it doesn't work for you, then you find another way. But the important is to have a way of telling God's story. Uh, Bill used this illustration and he said he something he, in the illustration that he used, he was drawing it on a napkin in a restaurant with his friend because it was something very simple. And uh, the basic illustration is that, that people are on, on one side of this, of this uh, bridge and God is on the other. And there's a thing in the middle that you can't possibly cross. And this is just an, a way to illustrate the fact that, that we're all separated from God. And then of course Bill introduces the idea that Jesus came to form a bridge. So that we could get across and Jesus deals with the things that prevent us from having a, a relationship with God. Uh, Jesus deals with this thing called sin, which are the wrong things that happen in our lives. And Jesus died on a cross for that. And it's just a simple illustration of how we can explain um, how God loves us and how we can enter into a relationship with God. And it's important that we, we kind of get that into a quite a compacted way so we know how to tell God's story. And we're not kind of fumbling and, and going off on, 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 a, on, a, on a tantrum and, and, and just confusing people. It's got to be simple and straightforward. And it's worth rehearsing it. And maybe one of the things you want to do if you're in a small group this week is just give the opportunity for people, uh, you know, maybe think about it and just write it down, how you would tell God's story. You might have another idea. And uh, it's always good to collect different ideas of how people tell God's story. And one of them might click with you and say, that's something I could use with this person, or that's something I could use with that person. It would work in this situation or this scenario. Because God has an amazing story. A wonderful story, the greatest story that's ever been told of how he sent his son Jesus into the world uh, so that each one of us could come into a relationship with him. And it's a story that's worth telling, but we have to tell it well. We have to tell it in a way that engages people rather than puts people off. And so uh, God has a story to tell and our job is to learn to tell it well. I tell you the truth, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will be not condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. These are words that bring life to people. These are words that, that can change people's lives. You know, we are in the business of changing people's lives. We want to see lives changed uh, in the name of Jesus. And that's what Jesus says that... Uh, that those who hear my words and believes him who sent me can receive eternal life. Wow. How amazing is that? So God has a story. Learn to tell it well. Think about how you would tell God's story in a couple of minutes, in an opportunity that you get. Practice it. Rehearse it. Ask somebody else what they think of it. And be open uh, to somebody saying, well actually... I 
don't think that would work and have that conversation and tease it out. And so that we get to be able to tell God's story well. Finally, you know, you have a story. You and I both have a story. An amazing story. You might not have realised it. You might have been sitting on it for a while, but you and I have a story to tell. If you have become a Christian, if you've, if you've made that decision to follow Jesus, then you have a story to tell about how your life has changed since you entered into a relationship with Jesus. You have a story to tell. You have a wonderful story. And again, it's the same principle, you know, Learn to tell it well. Learn to tell your story well. Before and after. Think about you know, what you were like before you became a Christian and how God has changed you. And that just doesn't, just doesn't mean uh, you know, if you became a Christian 20 or 30 years ago, but how God continually changes you. So you might say, before I became a Christian, you know, my life was full of stress. And uh, after I became a Christian, I had peace. We heard that in, in, in Peter's story, didn't we? About the person he prayed for. About somebody who came all stressed and confused and who found peace. Uh, that might be your story. Or it might be that you were living a, a pretty self-destructive life before you became a Christian. And after it, you were suddenly leaving a healthy life. Or it may be that, uh, that your life was full of guilt. Um, that you couldn't get over some of the mistakes that you'd made. And, uh, and then when you became a Christian and you realised that, that God can forgive you, that suddenly you were set free and you felt a, a real freedom because all those things that concerned you and worried you will suddenly be able to be, all the baggage that you carried will suddenly be able to hand it over and you understood what Jesus had done for you. Or it might be that you lived a life of fear and, uh, and suddenly you found a new confidence because you realised that God was with you. Or it may be that you lived a life of despair and that after finding faith, then you had a life of hope. We need to think about, you know, even maybe use that as a, as a, little, a little starter in writing your story. Thinking about what life was like before you entered into a relationship and what it was like after. And how hopefully it continues to change as you deepen that relationship with God. So, you have a story, learn to tell it well. Of course, there's lots of ways that we can tell our story badly, isn't there? Lots of ways that we can tell our story badly. It can be too long. You know, people, uh, you know, when, when somebody gets a glazed over look in their eyes or starts, you know, look for the signs that, uh, that you're boring somebody with your story and react to it. You know? Uh, or, of course, you can fill the, your story with all sorts of Christian jargon that we pick up in the church that we understand that, that the people outside of the church don't understand. And uh, we've got a, a little video clip um, that illustrates, you know, how we can tell the story wrong. A crown of glory in the hand of the Lord, a royal diamond in the hand of God. Thou shalt no longer be termed forsaken. 
Now we recognise the language, but it's a foreign language to people out there. And we so easily kind of slip into this Christian jargon. I'm, a, I'm on the governors at uh, Water School. And sometimes I get lost in the governors meeting when they start using all sorts of school talk that I just don't understand and abbreviations of things. And I say, hang on a sec, I have no idea what you're talking about. Because they slip into that school talk. And we do it in church, don't we? We slip into using language and words that we've heard and understand and, and know the meaning of, but are absolutely meaningless outside. Another way that we can, we can put people off and, and really derail our story is if we can't take a superior approach. As if we, as if we put ourselves across as if we, we're somehow superior to other people and we've got life all sorted and there aren't any problems now. And again, we've got another little uh, example of this. You know, we have to be careful, haven't we, in, in, in the way that we actually talk to people, that we don't come across, because the, the reality is, just because we've found faith, and just because we've become a Christian, and just because we've got a relationship with God, doesn't mean that we've got our lives all together, and doesn't mean that we no longer experience any problems in our lives. We have to be real and honest about it, and we just have to be able to share, you know, how God has helped us in a way that really connects with people, so that other people also, at a time of crisis, will turn to us. And very often it is in the time of crisis, isn't it, that people suddenly take an interest in God. I'm sure you can't have escaped uh, seeing what happened in the uh, football match last night. And uh, I was listening to the radio this morning and they were saying, you know, one of the national newspapers, the headline is, is pray for him. You know, a national newspaper asking the country to pray for a footballer who's, you know, desperately ill in hospital. And we will do. But isn't it interesting, at times of crisis, how people suddenly start to use that faith language. And if you saw the, on the news or you're actually watching the match, how many of the supporters in that game were doing this. And whether they realised it or not, this is a prayer position. This is a prayer position, you know, hands together, eyes closed. This is what you learnt at school uh, when you were a child. But how many of those people in the, in the crowd were stood like this because something tragic and, and terrible was happening and they automatically go into a posture of prayer. And, you know, there are times, and as we develop relationships and friendships, people will turn to you because they realise that you have a faith. Uh, and in moments of crisis, they'll say, you know, will you pray for us? Because we're really going through it. Just as Tom's example, you know, is going into church, say one for me. Why? Because I really need it. And, uh, you know, it's only as we develop these friendships, as we, as we learn to tell God's story and tell our story, that we'll have these opportunities these God moments, these Kairos moments when we can actually uh, really, really make that difference and enter into a, a faith conversation where somebody actually comes to faith. And sometimes that may, might mean walking with someone for a long time, like in the illustration of the video. 
you know, eight years, some of us would have given up, wouldn't we? We'd have said, this person's never going to come to faith. Uh, but in that particular story, Bill faithfully remained in a friendship. And then eventually that moment comes. And you and I, hopefully, as we develop friends, uh, we'll walk with them. And in times of crisis, moments when they really need somebody, they'll have somebody solid who can introduce them to God and to Jesus. So let's be, uh, let's just recap about what we're saying. We're saying that you have a story, so learn it well. There's, there's power in the story, isn't there? The stories are powerful. Um, and the words used to tell them are powerful. Really be careful in the words that we choose. Practice them uh, on one another and listen to the comments. Um, God has a story, learn to tell it well. Get it really synced and, and precise. And so that you, if, if, the, if the opportunity comes, you know exactly what you're going to say. You're not going to suddenly think, oh no, what do I do in this situation? Straight away you've got an example of how to tell God's story in a very simple and precise way. And the same with your story. Learn to tell it well. Be able to give examples of how God has made a difference in your life. So, homework. You've got some homework this week to do. Uh, you know, practice writing out those two stories, God's story and your story. See if you can get it, you know, on one side of A4 and then try it out on the people in your home group or your house group or somebody else and, and find out what they think and then go back and, you know, rewrite the story until you get it just right. Uh, that's your homework. Uh, do join a house group this week if you can. Meet it all over the place. Have a word with me or one of the deacons uh, if you want to do that. Let's... Uh,